try to finish up um, in about 20 minutes. You're going to start timing me now. I know you are, and that's okay. So here's what we're going to do. Um, I, somebody fussed at me in, this, in the first service this morning because I didn't finish filling out the outline. So I'm going to fill out the outline first. Are you ready? Um, so if you, if you need a set of notes, they're handing them out right now, and uh, you can get a, a set of notes. You didn't even know you had notes to fill in, did you? My bad. We'll, have, we'll, we'll work on that, sister. Um, the, the, the title of the message in, my, in the sermon series that I'm working through right now is called The Church I See, and today's message is The Church I See is a Prophetic Community. Now, um, there are a lot of buzzwords, a lot of ideas that come out of that whole thing. Community you're familiar with, prophetic you might not be so much, um, but what we just experienced today was a prophetic community. Not that I have the word only, but that we have the word together, and that unless we share what God puts in our heart, then, then there's going to be something left out, right? The Holy Spirit is a prophetic spirit. When people were filled with the Spirit, they spoke, they sang, they ministered. And so wherever you have people who are filled with the Holy Spirit, one of the signs of that is there's going to be a prophetic function. It's gonna, the, the Holy Spirit's gonna take words from heaven and, pu- and push them through your own spirit and you're gonna be speaking. And you know what? Joel received several different words of encouragement this morning, didn't he? You know, now he is better equipped as he goes out. He didn't just hop on a plane and fly to where he's going. Now he, he's got some luggage to go with him. He's got some, uh, he's got some stuff that's down on the inside of deposited from this house but it's from the spirit of god does that make sense so uh even those prophetic words that were spoken this morning um during our worship time those were things that the holy spirit was stirring up uh for such a time as this and some of you you say well that's never that didn't that's never happened to me i've never spoken that way but how many of you have heard something today that resonated with your own soul, that maybe you, you uh, heard that uh, you heard uh, about the trials, or you heard about the uh, being determined, or you heard, you heard about the renewing of the mind. You say, man, that really bears witness with my spirit. That's where I'm at right now today. I need to hear that. And that was an encouragement from the Holy Spirit. That's what it means to be a prophetic community. Now, we're going to talk about uh, an original prophetic community from Ezekiel chapter 37 today, uh, but I told you I'm going to fill in the notes first so that when we, uh, so that wherever I leave off, you're not left out. So you can, you can thank God for the sister uh, in the first service who fussed at me because I didn't fill in the notes and she was going to tackle me, all right? Um, so let's see here. Let me get into this a little bit. Ooh, it's not working for me. Have we got the first one up there? Oh, there you go. Thank you so much. My iPhone's not cooperating. We respond individually to his resurrection word. This is, these all come right out of the text today. Number two, we, we joyfully relate to one another as an organized army. And number three, are you ready? We freely receive the fresh breath of God, releasing hope wherever we go. Now, uh, I'm going to give you some context uh, for this. I'm not going to read the whole text, but I'm going to ask that they put the text up, uh, if you can do that for me. Um, the, the story is the story of Ezekiel 37, and many commentators uh, will, will bounce back and forth. Some of them will say, well, this actually happened to Ezekiel as it is a literal valley of dry bones. And some people say, well, it wasn't a literal valley of dry bones, it was a vision. 
Um, we know that, uh, that sometimes, uh, for particularly for seers in the Old Testament, that, uh, that some of those things uh, happened, and we would call them today maybe like an out-of-body experience, or, or they couldn't tell what was, uh, what was spiritual reality and what was natural reality. They kind of blended together. In fact, the Apostle Paul talks about this. He doesn't like to call himself this, uh, but in 1 Corinthians, he talks about, I, I know a man who was caught up to the third heaven. I know a man. Who is he talking about? He's talking about himself. He's saying, I know a man that was caught up to the third heaven, and he saw things that he's not permitted to speak. And, uh, and he, he says, I don't know if I was in the body or out of the body, but this is what I saw. And this is kind of what Ezekiel was doing. And so Ezekiel is, by the hand of the Lord, the scripture says, he comes out, and the Lord shows him this valley full of dry bones, full of bones that are out there. It was an entire uh, uh, community that was just slain, all these dry bones laying out there. And the, the Lord asked him a question. Has the Lord ever asked you a question? It's interesting when the Holy Spirit asks you a question. I, this, is, this, is like, this is like learn to hear from God 101, okay? Tips and tricks. When the, when the Lord asks you a question, he's about to show you what he knows, not what you know. When the Lord asks you a question, your next words out of your mouth are going to be his answer, his solution, his revelation that he wants you to understand. Adam, where are you? Did you eat of the tree that I told you not to eat of? Who told you you were naked? All locator terms, right? God needed a GPS because he lost his man. And it, no, God knew exactly where Adam was. Adam forgot where he was. Adam forgot who he was. So God brought him back with a question. Jesus with his disciples, who do men say that I am? Who do you say that I am? Right? And the answer to that question is the foundation for the church of Jesus Christ. You are the Christ the son of the living God. And Jesus says, upon this rock, I will build my church. What's the rock? The rock was the revelation that Peter got, not Peter himself, but the revelation that Peter got, that Jesus is the Christ. And that brings us to our text today. Because the Bible says you and I were dead in our trespasses and sin. We had nothing in us that could commend us toward God. We had nothing in us that was virtuous. We had nothing in us that was righteous. The Bible calls our righteousness as filthy rags, things that ought to be just thrown away. You're on your best day, he's saying, I, you, you think you're dressed in your Sunday best, and God looks at you and says, you're clothed in filth. Oh, thanks, God. No, he's saying his standard and our standard, two different standards. Righteousness only comes by his decision, not your decision. So you have to go to him. You can't, you can't work your way to him. You can say, okay, what does it take to be righteous? Well, blood of a sinless being. Leviticus 17, the life of the creature is in the blood. What can wash away my sin? Nothing but the blood of Jesus. What can make me whole again? 
nothing but the blood of Jesus. Oh, precious is that flow that makes me white as snow. No other fount I know, nothing but the blood of Jesus. So we individually hear the voice God comes to Ezekiel and says, Ezekiel, can these dry bones live? And Ezekiel hedges his bets. Oh, Lord, you alone know. (laughs) And so he takes his man and he says, prophesy to the bones. And so Ezekiel prophesies to the bones. And as he is prophesying, while he's still talking, there's a rattling sound. There's a sound that begins to happen. These bones that were inanimate, they were out there all by themselves, completely dead, dry. No marrow left in these bones. And yet these bones respond to the word of the Lord and there's this rattling sound and they come together. And then flesh appears on them and then skin appears on them. And they stand up and it's a standing army. All responding to the prophetic word of God. He didn't say prophesy to people because there were no people. He said prophesy to the bones. Prophesy to the bones. And so you and I, like Ezekiel's army, have individually heard the word of the resurrection of Jesus Christ. It's because of Jesus, though we were dead in our trespasses and sins, God made us alive in Christ. So we have, we have become individually believers. We have been individually come from all different walks of life. We're here because of Jesus. Now somebody is here because somebody drove you in the car. I know, I, you know, go with me. But, but we gather for our purpose. Our purpose is because God has done a work in me and I want to support that work that God is doing in me. And so individually we come here and, we, and I, I would, I might ask you, what's your background? Well, some would say I'm Lutheran. Some would say I was Catholic. Some would say I was, I was this uh, denomination, that denomination, the other denomination. We ended up here because God did a resurrection work on the inside of us individually. And individually I said, you know, I'm alive now. I've, I've got I've to fuel that. I need support for that spiritual life that's on the inside of me. You know, I didn't get born again until I was 17, and my family didn't grow up in church. In fact, uh, the, the, the long sh- uh, part of the story I'm not going to tell today, but uh, my, my grandmother, because they were in a very uh, a lot of dead churches in the community that she was in, the Lord led her, and I'm not saying this was, this was her responding to the Lord. I'm not saying the Lord did it, uh, but, uh, but her sense was I can get more in a home group studying the Word and, and being alone with the Lord um, and gathering with some people that were passionate, and so so she got a part of a home church. Now, I will also say that there was a false uh, prophetic word that my parents followed to go to Minnesota, and I, I will tell you that I was born there, and I will tell you that my folks came back to Michigan some years later, and they divorced, and, and, uh, and, and what's interesting about that uh, prophetic word that was, I would consider to be a wrong word, but they followed it anyway in the, in the, with the best they knew how. Can I tell you that that became part of what God used in my story 18 years later because I met the man that dedicated me to the Lord in International Falls, Minnesota, in the, in the uh, admin building of Valley Forge Christian College. So the word didn't make sense to my parents, but it became part of my story because I met the man that planted First Assembly of God in International Falls. 
How crazy is that? Here's the thing. If you'll follow the Lord, you can't lose. You might get distracted. You might end up in the ditch from time to time, but he'll get you back on the road. You can't lose. You can't lose. Now, one of the things that, that happened in my life, though, not growing up in church, is that I didn't know a Catholic from a Baptist, from a Lutheran from a, to a Methodist. I didn't know Protestant or Catholic. I didn't know any of those labels. Those labels made no sense to me. I didn't know any of those things. And so, uh, so church was church, and it was all the same to me. I had no clue. I didn't understand about uh, churches being alive, churches being dead. Didn't understand how churches organized. Didn't know anything about church. I just knew that Jesus called me, and I ended up in Bible college. And when in Bible college, I met my bride. Be 30 years we've been married in May, the end of May. Excited about that. To celebrate, we're going on a missions trip. Woo! So the reality is I, I didn't understand how churches organized. Now let me just tell you, churches often organize around the personality of the preacher. Now as soon as I mentioned that, big preaching names just flashed in your mind. It's okay. I'm just saying that we need to understand what's going on there. So sometimes a church is organized around the personality of the preacher. Sometimes a church is organized around politics. Not politics like a Republican, Democrat. I'm talking about politics as it relates to the committees. Who has the power in the church? Churches organize around that. Some churches organize around programs. Programs that, you know, that, that don't often change. They just have you sign up and show up and, and, and pay up and do whatever you need to do. And that program runs year after year after year after year until uh, people no longer want to support it. But churches organize strictly around programs. Some of them, some of them do that. Uh, a number of years ago, Rick Warren put out what was called the Purpose Driven Church. It was before the book, The Purpose Driven Life. Purpose Driven Church was uh, written back in the 80s. Um, I studied it back when I was at Valley Forge. We've, uh, I've studied every kind of church history book, uh, every kind of church organizational leadership book. I've, I've been to Singapore studying apostolic leadership. Uh, you guys sent me there. You, you set me up to, uh, to get my master's and then to go on into my doctorate. I didn't just look at how churches were organized in the U.S. I looked around the world. Um, the reason was because if you can find something that works not just in U.S. soil, but also in every other place that you find it, uh, organizationally, as far as the church is concerned, that's a good sign. Uh, because if it only works in the United States, that may mean that, that Jesus isn't Lord, but capitalism is Lord. And so you have to ask yourself, what does it, what does it mean that it's organized? Now, um, I want to share something with you out of, uh, out of uh, Ephesians chapter 4. From uh, Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. It was he who gave some, that is Jesus, who gave some to be apostles, some to be prophets, some to be evangelists, and some to be pastors and teachers to prepare God's people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, aiming to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. Now, I believe that all of the book of Ephesians is actually the best blueprint for the church that you can find in the New Testament. It's the best picture. It's the best image. But this particular passage, this particular uh, model, what it does is it shows us what does it take to bring the body of Christ into maturity. 
When I became a senior pastor 21 years ago at the age of 30, um, we, we had gone through some difficult times. Uh, there was a moral failure because of my predecessor. Um, he took the top seven giving families who went up the road. I sat with my district superintendent uh, shortly after I, I was voted in here as, as the pastor. And I sat with him, and, and uh, he, he said it kind of like this. This is Dr. Robert Gordon. This is the best uh, impression I can do. Well, Ken, you got trouble on a number of fronts. I said, well, thank you for that. <laughs> and uh, he began to, to give me some very, very helpful advice. And, and what I began to do, and it started, it started me on a journey. I, I got what I would call today, because uh, I didn't have verbiage for it back then, but I call it a constellation of mentors. And I identified every, every area of problem that we had here at Lighthouse. And then I found somebody um, who had more wisdom, more experience, more knowledge than me in that area. And I tagged up with them. And so I had a finance person. I had a missions person. I had an organization person. I had a pastor whose church was growing rapidly. And I had a pastor who was retired that I, I, I said, I want a guy who will say it to me like this. If I had it to do over again, I would do it this way. I wanted somebody sitting back on the other side that had different perspective. And so I, I, and, and that one I hung on to, his name was Earl Baldwin, and uh, every Thursday at 1 o'clock I had a standing meeting with Earl Baldwin for a solid year, and, uh, and he, he coached me, he taught to me, he, he listened to me cry. <laughs> he let me talk about whatever was going on in the ministry, and then he would just speak some sage man of God wisdom in my life. Um, here's what I've discovered as, as I've, I've walked through this, and, and we're, we're running out of time here, but I'll, I'll pick up some more next week if I need to. One of the things that, that uh, I, I became aware of in, in going back to this text is that uh, is it becomes hot button issues um, when there's a lack of understanding about a text. Like when, when you read apostles, prophets, evangelists, pastors, and teachers, you gotta, you got to do that with your hand up. Put your hand up. Hand up. The apostle is like the thumb, helps you to get a grip on things. The, apo uh, the prophet is like your pointer finger, points things out in the body of Christ. Some, some of you love doing that. You like it too much. The evangelist is kind of like your middle finger. He stands out a little farther than all the others. If you put an evangelist down in a room of unknown people, he'll know everybody in 10 minutes' time. He'll, 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 he'll know what's going on with him. He'll figure him out. You know, the, the pastor's like the ring finger. He's married to the church. The teacher is like your little finger. He can get into your ear with the word of the Lord. You ever see somebody that, that can just take one text and they can just break it down, break it down, break it down, break it down. And she's, where did you get all that? I look at that text and I don't see that at all. So what I want to suggest to you and, and where churches get hung up about the fivefold ministry is that they say, well, those, those fivefold ministry, those are offices. They like to use the word offices. And, uh, and so whoever's in the apostle's office, whoever's in the prophet's office, whatever the case may be, I, I think that's okay. I, I, you know, I've also seen them called functions. Um, functions is okay too. That can work. Um, I like job descriptions. I like work. If you're, if you're doing the work of an evangelist, you might be a pastor, but you can function as an evangelist. 
And as a pastor, I have to function as a teacher too. I'm not just about the community. I've got to teach people the word. I've got to help them understand and apply the word. I've got to facilitate uh, their uh, their understanding so that they it makes it easy. Oh, I get it. That was a difficult scripture for me, but I get it now, and I, I know how to, to operate in it. So what happens is a, a lot of times when you have uh, training about scripture that says, well, God doesn't do certain things today that he did back then, um, then what happens is uh, you, you begin to say, well, we know there were 12 apostles, but we don't like the using of that word for any other thing. But the apostolic work still needs to be done today because uh, Jesus is, has ascended on high and he's waiting for the church to do its thing. If you take out one of those, one of those uh, uh, job descriptions, you have something less than the original that, that Jesus had set up. Are you tracking with me? Um, okay, so think in terms of each one of those five being like a system within the church, a system, system. Now, don't get weirded out by that system. Uh, we, we live on the third planet in the solar, ooh, that's a pretty smile. You actually have a body that has a respiratory, a digestive, a circulatory, Right, systems are all around us. And if one of those systems gets out of whack, something doesn't feel quite right. Are you with me? Uh, you know, uh, how many of you wanna just function for a day without your digestive system? <laughs> Try to function for more than three minutes without your respiratory system. So, so the reality is that systems are the way God has designed things, but in the body of Christ, we have kind of uh, taken this idea of systems and said, well, that doesn't really apply to us. We're going to gather together around prayer. As a church, we're going to be all about discipleship, or we're going to be all about evangelism. We're going to be all about, all about, all about. And in my 21 years of studying this process, what I found is that whoever had the microphone would tell you that that's how the, it was supposed to be. Like the prophetic guy said, it's all about the prophetic. The apostolic guy always said it was all about the apostolic. The teacher said, no, they've all got it wrong. I've got it right. By my tapes, by my CDs, by my books. And the reality is they're, they're not all wrong unless they say it is all about them. Then they're wrong. Because the body of Christ is a much bigger thing. And so over the past number of years, one of the things that I've been looking at and doing, because I was this guy, 17 years old, didn't know church, didn't understand any of that, didn't understand, is I've been on this quest to say, Lord, show me what it looks like. Show me the body of Christ as it's functioning the way it's supposed to function in a comprehensive way, not just in America, but show it to me in Singapore, show it to me in Uganda, show it to me in Mexico, show me in Latin America what the church needs to look like, because Jesus said, I will build my church and he didn't say it, only if the government gives you permission he said i will build my church well what's the church in china look like and how does it look how does it function in relationship to the rest of the world the church looks different but it still functions and so i've been on this quest for the last 21 years and in the next couple of months we're going to start unveiling some things that we've been putting together it's you, you didn't realize it, but every Sunday morning, you actually came into the laboratory of the Holy Spirit. And he's been showing us how to organize 
and how to put things together to make sure that each of these job descriptions, the apostle, prophet, evangelist, pastor, teacher, that those function together as a prophetic community. And once we create this operating system, it's going to be, right now, I've just, I don't, for lack of better words, I'm calling it the lighthouse operating system. It has a, it has a six-part model, we call that the E6 model. Some of you are going to like, oh, check my brain at the door. Some of you don't even care. Okay, just listen. Humor me. Humor me. This is for me. I just need to share this, okay? Uh, so there's this E6 model that we've developed that, that, uh, that talks about each aspect of the mission and how it's accomplished. And, and then there's the, the, the 15 life-giving functions that every life-giving community has to have. And then there's the I-5 process of how we raise up leaders through that process. And what's the whole purpose for this? Can I tell you? that I've seen way too many churches that did well for the duration of the life of the senior pastor. And then when the baton was passed to the next generation, that thing just fell. And I think that's just wrong. That what God wants to do is he wants to raise us up so that we understand the DNA of the house and that we grow, everybody, everybody gets to play. Everybody gets a part of this, but we create an environment where leaders love to be and, and love to, to move up through the process. They understand the process. Everybody's working on the same process, we, and the system develops great leaders. Some churches are great because they have great people. Other churches are great because they create great people. We want to create great people. We want to be a church where everybody discovers what their gift is. And they understand how Jesus has crafted them to function in their house. I'm running five minutes over, those of you that are checking your time. Do I have a little toy? Can I have a little toy? Okay, that's all right. I want you to get this. It's so important. Because, you know, we, we see systems in functioning in every other place where we, we see excellence. Let me, let me tell you a story, and then we're going to close. So a number of years ago, uh, my wife was the, the youth pastor here at Lighthouse, and, and uh, under her leadership, under Brian Briggs' leadership, we used to go to uh, a fast food restaurant after service, um, and we would finish up here at about 8.30. We'd uh, eventually arrive at that fast food restaurant, which will remain unnamed for my conversation, and uh, um, until, you know, we get there about 9 o'clock. And uh, how many of you have worked fast food here in this room? Okay. So some of you are too embarrassed. You don't want to raise your hand. It's okay. I work fast food. I, I worked at Dairy Queen. I worked at Dairy Queen because they let you eat your mistakes, and I made lots of mistakes. <laughs> so, so uh, in the fast food world, right, uh, you have a slow night, so what do you do? You clean everything you can clean. You get it all ready to, to just walk out so that you're, and, and it becomes this goal. Like, okay, if we're going to close at 10 o'clock, you're going to walk out the door by 10.02. You have it all figured out. You're, you've got your, you know, a, a lot of your teenage, they, they got their night plan. They know what they're going to go do after closing time. They got it figured out. Well, then we would show up at this uh, fast food restaurant, and I could watch them roll their eyes. Uh, when we brought about 35 people through the door at 9 o'clock and they knew that they'd already had things cleaned up and they were all ready to go and they, they were looking at and they didn't like us. They didn't like us. And, and so then I would watch the manager who would, uh, who would uh, take her key and she would walk over to the door and she'd make sure she was catching my eye. She'd walk over to the door at 10 o'clock and she'd lock the door. Walk over to the other door. 
so I was aware it was 10 o'clock. And, uh, and, and so I, I began to look at that, and I thought, you know, I don't get this. You know, here, here we are. We probably just, we were probably the best thing that happened to them, you know, from a financial standpoint. But from a worker standpoint, they weren't happy about it, right? And, uh, and so the more I studied leadership, the more I studied management, um, here's one of the things that happens when we find ourselves with a bad system. Systems create behaviors. And we don't want to think that, but it's really the truth. You know, you can go into a fast food restaurant. How many of you ever, this has ever happened to you, you walk up to the counter and the two uh, workers there are having a conversation behind, uh, behind the, the, you know, the uh, cash register and they don't look at you. They're busy having their conversation, right? And they just carry on and have their conversation. Okay, good. I thought I was the only one that ever happened. It too. And, you know, I thought it was just me. I was taking it personal. And so they go on for 30 seconds, 45 seconds, don't even acknowledge you, right? And, uh, and so when I, when I finally get waited on, get my food, and I go back, I, I want to say, what is wrong with this generation? <laughs> or what is wrong with these people? We either, we either go, go at the, the standpoint of these people or what's wrong with people today. It's human nature. But then you can go up the street to Chick-fil-A. Let's all mourn the fact that they're not open on Sunday for just a moment. Uh, now that I just mentioned that, you want to go, but you can't because it's Sunday. Oh, 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 part of their system. Part of their system. Part of their system. But you will go. And if there are 20 cars in the drive-thru, you won't think twice about pulling your car right into line. Why? Because you know that there are better odds for 20, a 20 car drive-thru at Chick-fil-A than a three car drive-thru at any other fast food place, right? Now, how did Chick-fil-A get all the good people? How did they pull all those best millennials and get the cream of the crop from all the best They all, all the really good people only work for Chick-fil-A. All the rest of them, I don't know. Systems. 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 It's just the system. And so if, if we understand, why, why is this important, Pastor Jim? Because Lighthouse has got to be a, more than just me. Lighthouse is more than just you. And Lighthouse has to exist long, 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 long time beyond us. And Lighthouse can't be about one great person or two great people or this season or that season. Lighthouse needs to create space for each and every one of us to discover. I am, I am here today because somebody put some tools in my hand and said, go to work, boy, see what you can do. And I exist to do the same thing for every one of you and to put the keys of the kingdom in your hand and say, go take this thing for a spin. You need to find out what Jesus has put on the inside of you when you use the keys. You need to find out what kind of things you can ignite. You need to get a hold of that. You need to get a hold of that. Why? Because we are a prophetic community. And God has put a gift down on the inside of you, and it cannot lie dormant. Yes, you were born again. Yes, you were saved as a son. But you want to know something scary? You will be judged as a servant. 
What did you do with your time? What did you do with your talent? What did you do with your treasure? What did you do with your testimony? He's going to talk to you about that one day. He's going to talk to me about that one day. And you are all I have. And we're going to make the best of everything we've got. We're going to get the most out of it. We're going to squeeze every bit of eternity out of these temporal moments that we have together. We're going to take those skills, those gifts, whatever we have, and we're going to employ them for the king and the kingdom's purpose. And we're going to create a school of supernatural leadership that studies the operation of what Jesus is doing in this house. And then they're going to go replicate it. They're going to replicate it, replicate it, and they're going to transplant in in other nations. They're going to go to Africa. They're going to go to Ecuador. They're going to go to El Salvador. They're going to go to all the nations. And they're going to take what they've learned right here, and it'll be second nature to them. And they'll say, this is... Not the way, but this is a way. This is a way. There are a lot of ways to flip burgers. There are a lot of ways to make chicken. But if you put the right systems together, you can watch God do amazing things. I bragged on her in the 8 o'clock. Miss Lynn, come, come here. This young lady, she's amazing. Lynn Lesser. You know, uh, Dr. Lynn Lesser um, came up from this house. She's a single woman um, who's just recently gone through a divorce. Her son is, I think, 13 or 14. No, he's about 13 when they first met here. And uh, Lynn and, and Jeff went on our first missions trip. When we became children's pastors, we, were, we took our first missions trip to Mexico City for the group of 10, 11, and 12-year-olds in 1994. Lynn was with us. And what God was doing in her and showing her the things about uh, mental health and uh, uh, mental health and holistic, how to... How to um, bring the spiritual in with the, the emotional and the mental and bring it all together. There was nobody else doing that. There was nobody else. There wasn't a model anywhere that you could point to that said, uh, you know, the, the church at the time really looked with suspect at any kind of counseling and uh, any kind of mental health thing. We just like, er, you know, we didn't do that. But Dr. Lessman saw what Jesus could do in a person's life. And so she began to work on that and develop it. And last Sunday when she shared her testimony, she had been in a hundred different nations. But I knew Lynn and you knew Lynn. And she was a single mom. Been through a couple of divorces. Somebody gave her a chance. Somebody encouraged her and said, go use your gift for the glory of God. Mercy showed up. Saw a need for mental health. And so when Lynn went to Mercy Ships, the head of Mercy Ships, Don Stevens, who's preached here for us before, Mercy Ships came out of YWAM, Youth for the Mission. And so they have hospital ships that go into war-torn parts of the world um, where oftentimes they're landlocked or they can't, uh, they, they won't let other missionaries in, but they'll, they'll go and they'll do, they'll do surgeries and they'll, do, they'll drill wells and they'll do all kinds of things from these, these hospital ships. Don Stevens took his own uh, air miles and gave Lynn his air miles so that she could get from point A to point B until she got her uh, support rooms to where she could do what she needed to do. And because of Dr. Lynn Lesman and, and now tributaries that's based here at White House, there are whole nations that have a mental health infrastructure that they never had before. That happened too. 
that now when a person has an emotional or a mental issue, that in, uh, that in nations of this world, where before the only help that they would get from a church is, well, obviously you've got a demon, so let's cast that demon out. That was the best the church had. But through Lynn's wisdom and understanding, now there are, peop- there are teams of people that are trained around the world. Can you see the value in that? Do you see how amazing that is? What, the church can do stuff that government can't get out of the way to do. Just because you'll be obedient with the gift and your testimony and the thing that God put on the inside of you. Here's what I want to caution you against, and, this is, and we're going to close with this point. I want to caution you against looking around and saying, I don't see anything that looks like what I think should be happening, so I'm going to withhold. Nothing really suits me. Can I just encourage you to go the other direction? Just start serving. Can I tell you, in in 30 years of being here at Lighthouse, I have done every job. Every job. Not thinking that it was the thing I was going to do for the rest of my life, but it was the thing that led to the thing that led to the thing that led to the thing. And I just served. We're raising up servant leaders here. It is your job description. You want to be great? Serve. The fastest... The fastest way to the throne is through the servant's entrance. Serve. Just serve. Just find a place to serve. And what we're, what we're creating is an operating system so that we can get the help to people that need the help. So that we can get the life of Jesus to the people that need the life of Jesus. But we have to work together. He's creating. He's raising up an army raising up an army. Let's stand. With heads bowed and eyes closed this morning. I I love the reality of that word that when Ezekiel prophesied to the dry bones they came alive. But that's more than just mere imagery. That is in fact how the Holy Spirit does what he does. He takes dead things and brings them to life. And if you've never met Jesus, he is the resurrected one. He is the one who is dead, but then is now alive, seated at the right hand of the Father, praying over this moment so that you might receive his life. just a moment, but if you've never said yes to Jesus, you're missing the most important thing in life, and it would be totally impossible for me to to overemphasize that point. Jesus is life. The Bible says we were dead in our trespasses and sins, but because of his great love for us, God made us alive. said yes to Jesus, but you want to do so today, just slip up your hand. Anybody here? Before we go any further. Let me do this before we close. Father, I pray over each and every person in this room. Lord, even as believers, some of us have barren areas. Some of us have areas, Lord, that have yet to bear fruit for the kingdom. 
Some of us here, Lord, have challenges that are insurmountable to us. Lord, we need your wisdom. We need your knowledge. We need understanding. We need, uh, Lord, your strength to begin to flow. And I just speak to those, those dry places. I speak to those dead places. I speak to those barren places. And I say, bring forth. Bring forth the fruit of the kingdom. Bring forth the life of God. Bring forth that which God had determined before the foundation of the world, that you would bear fruit. Bring forth in Jesus' name. And Father, that we would in fact walk in the fruitfulness of all that you have for us, God. In the name of Jesus right now, we thank you. We receive that word today. We receive, Lord, all that you want to do. Help us, Lord, to align ourselves with your design. Your design for who we are, but also your design for what you called this house to be. Help us, Lord, to fall in alignment as we see that blueprint unfurled before us. In Jesus' name, we thank you for it, oh God. Amen and amen. Praise God. Love you, church. God bless you. Have a great day in the Lord. If you're a guest with us, stop.